Welcome to another episode of the Relax Just Love podcast, vegan edition. I have the pleasure to be sitting with Dr. Nitu Pejiko. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So you are an OBGYN. Most women on this podcast will not need an explanation as what that is. I think it's funny that a man is talking about that with you. I love it. So can you can you say for the men out there what it is that you do? Yeah, actually, Nico, thank you, first of all, for inviting me. Pleasure's but um, most OBGYNs tend to were historically male. When I trained first, I could not spot a, a female um, OBGYN if I wanted to for love or money in the UK. Uh, so an obstetrician and gynecologist, as we are known in the UK where I'm based, or OBGYN in the, in the States, um, OBS and gynae in India, is somebody who deals with the reproductive organs of somebody who's assigned female at birth. So that is, you know, women or anybody who's assigned female at birth. It's however you choose to identify yourself later. If you have reproductive organs, which is a uterus, Uh, fallopian tubes, ovaries, a cervix, which is the neck of the womb, a vagina, a vulva. Those are the areas that I deal with. Obstetrics, which is, um, you know, pregnancy and childbirth, uh, fertility, and all the gynae conditions that come with from the time you are conceived till the time you die. So puberty, menarche, reproductive age, and menopause. And men or those who are assigned male at birth have a lot to do because, um, you know, you will either have somebody, you will have a mother or a sister or a friend uh, or a partner, uh, a child. So it's really something that affects everybody, you know, so it's poorly researched. There are a lot of subspecialities, which means that even though you think, oh, what is there so much about the womb or the ovaries that, you know, as doctors, we specialize in various aspects uh, and have special interests in various aspects of OBS and gynae. You would be absolutely floored when you realize there's maternal medicine, there's obstetric medicine, there's fetal medicine, there is, you know, gynae cancer medicine. There are specialists for um, special female health issues like endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome. Uh, menopause, you know, there are so many, I would say probably close to 50 or even 100 subspecialities in our speciality. So there's a lot to cover. There are encyclopedias and volumes of information out there. But basically, study of the reproductive system is probably the best way to introduce it to your listeners. Is it, um, because I'm not sure it works in the UK, but I'm from Canada. It's very similar to the US when it comes to the the way the doctors are trained, are you guys specialized? So is it like you have to do, you have to become a general practitioner and then you have another five or six years that you over-specialize on top of it? No, you go into medicine and you do about five years in medicine first, then you do a year of what is called internship. So that's that's a general medical training. You're not a general practitioner. And then I decided um, I wanted to do obstetrics and gynecology. Uh, so I specialized for that in um, in that area for three years, did research for a year. Then I moved to the UK and I did. So basically in the UK, it takes anywhere between 10 to 14 to 16 yeah. years before you become a fully qualified consultant. It's a long, long journey. Uh, 
for some people it can be very hard um, and, and you really have to love the speciality that you're in if you're going to see yourself through hospital medicine, especially in the generation where I trained because I would often go to work on a Friday morning, for example, at 5.36 in the morning and only return home on Monday night. Uh, so, you know, regularly doing 150 hour, 100, we 100 hour weeks, uh, on, uh, lots of night shifts, never knowing um, when your call is going to come. It's an acute speciality, OBS and gynae. It's very thrilling. I find it just as exciting as I did the first day that I joined from now. For me, there was never any question, but um, it's a very demanding speciality. Uh, and so historically men have done it because it's got all odd hours. Uh, there's also quite a lot of money to be made uh, if you do private practice. Uh, so generally speaking, OBS and gynae used to be uh, the corner, you know, it was one of the areas that a lot of men used to specialize in because most men, most doctors were men before. Now, thankfully, we are seeing a very wonderful mix of people uh, in the speciality. And, you know, that makes it so good because when you have diversity, you have um, thought and you have um, engagement and communication mm -hmm. and you're actually more likely to be inclusive inclusive of immigrants, inclusive of people who may not look like you, who do not talk like you, people who um, uh, identify differently with regards to gender. There's so much that um, medical racism and sexism are embedded in our, um, in our you know, medical uh, schools and things. So there's a lot of work of unlearning that has to be done. There, I don't know how it is in the, in the UK, but I know in Canada, if you look at the statistics of the people that are graduating from uh, university and going into medicine, I think last time I checked, it was 70% women. Yes. 60 to 70% yes. of people going into medicine were women. Yes, it's a caring profession. It's a vocation. It's a way of yep. life. And yep. until many years, women were stopped from doing a lot of things. So um, once they were allowed to follow their hearts and fulfill their ambitions. They became doctors, astronauts, scientists, researchers, everything that they wanted to. And the one wonderful thing about being a doctor is that you can uh, really choose your area of interest based on your um, lifestyle as well. Some For some people, having a family is very important, so they may choose to go into general practice, which may have a bit more free time. They, others may be more research-oriented. They may go into pure research. Others may want a teaching job, so they might go into teaching. Uh, some might want just pure clinical work, or you might want, a, like me, a combination of everything. I like, uh, you know, doing everything. And one of the reasons why I chose Obsengaini was that it had the beautiful mix of surgery. So I could operate on people, make them better. I could deliver women and generally um, look after people who were in a sense uh, healthy, but also have medical um, uh, you know, aspect of it. And then also the philosophical aspect of it, you know, the mental health aspect of it, the communication. Uh, there's so much involved in it, uh, in OBS and Gaini that it sort of was the perfect mix for me. And it allowed me to sort of grow. I've been doing it for 35 years. And I have to say, I just love every, I have loved every minute of it. I got a question for you. I was thinking about that before the podcast. Uh, do you think women are tougher than men? Like 
pain tolerance? Uh, no, I think um, it is a cultural expectation, uh, the way we have evolved in some ways as well. And so I think a lot of it is, you know, we don't, we try to bring men up to be more tough, um, but it often fails and backfires because we don't, they may be just as tough as us or women may be just as tough as men. We often don't share these, these, uh, these experiences. And so um, in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. Uh, there is, you know, I don't think one should try and compare the two. I think there is equity was rather than being equal. You know, often you're never going to be as strong as a man because of testosterone levels and things like that. But uh, it doesn't mean that you can't be having equity. You can't be on an equal footing and equal uh, partnership, uh, whether it is at work or whether it's at home. Uh, and, you know, if you one does have um, uh, men in your life, you should encourage them to cry and be sensitive and actually be in touch with their inner self uh, because, you know, there's, there is everything in all of us. Uh, and I, I, I personally don't think that we should try and separate out too much. I'm quite um, against, you know, these different colors and yeah. uh, things. I didn't know any of this. I just want people to be, the way I was brought up was to just to be a good, kind person. I actually didn't even know properly that I was a girl until I went to medical school. Although, I mean, I did have periods and things, but I did not, my parents really differentiated, did not differentiate at all between um, my sister and me and my brother. And that was such a fantastic thing, you know, all those years ago without realizing that I was brought up to be just so confident in my own skin, never looking at somebody else to compete with them, but always looking at myself and being told how I could, uh, Sorry, they've, <laughs> they've okay. spotted a fox in the back garden. So they're off <laughs> my rescue dogs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I was very fortunate to have parents who were very forward thinking. Uh, and as a result of that, I was able to be very um, confident in myself. Coming from a martial art background and a fighting background, I I agree that men are stronger than women because of testosterone, no doubt about it. Yeah. But I think that women are tougher, though. They have a, better, a higher pain tolerance than men do. I, I'm from sure they do. Uh, and I, just from experience. And to me, if you're going to push <laughs> a baby out, you got to be yes. tough. I'm sorry, but yes. I ain't doing, I'm yes. not doing it. I'm yes. Doing it. Men have done this very um, easy thing. They've basically hired a surrogate. Uh, that's what's happened, you know. So, so you know what a lot of celebrities do nowadays. Uh, mm. Even though they, you know, there are a lot of people who can't have their own children, and that's completely understandable. But sometimes people do have surrogates, you know, even though they can. And I think men have done that a little bit, <laughs> you know, to us. But uh, as I said, I, I'm of the belief that. There is space for everybody. And yes, women are tougher in some respects, but I think men are tougher in some respects oh, as yeah. well. So, yeah, I it love men a, too. <laughs> it, it is a tough conversation to have, though, because I agree that there's advantages and disadvantages. There but is. Although they're not disadvantages, they're differences. Let's call them that. Yeah. I would never give up being a woman, though. I, I as I, I you know, the... 
I have, I feel I, I have been very fortunate to be born at a time where I did not have to um, go through some of the oppression that women suffer currently yeah. in so many countries. I feel very grateful. I'm very, very grateful. Uh, but yes, given a choice, if I if there is an after, uh, another life, I don't want to come back as anybody else other than, uh, you know, <laughs> who How- I am. When did you, um, the vegan decision, because Indian, I got to say Indian is my favorite food outside of yes. the, the cheap, the cheap crop that I'm going to buy sometimes, but it yeah. is my favorite, favorite food. Yes. And I grew up in, like I spent a lot of time in uh, Toronto. Yes. So there's a lot of original, traditional Indian food there. Yes. Is that, was that cultural, the veganism or vegetarianism at least, uh, or not even? So yes, yes and no. I was born in, so I'm a South Indian uh, and there are, I don't know if you know about the caste system in India. Uh, So you have the oppressed caste and the oppressor caste. So what are known as the upper caste and the lower caste, the better term to use are the oppressed and the oppressor. I belong to the oppressor caste. So the caste that historically um, were priests and so, I was born vegetarian, but my mother and father were both ethical objectors. So they did not stop us uh, from eating meat, but they, although it was not part of our culture at all to have any meat or fish or eggs, I, my mother was an ethical objector. She did not want to create harm to animals and was always very conscious. But I, as a young person did go and try. So I might've eaten chicken a handful of times in my life. Uh, and uh, try in my friends' houses. Um, And my mother used to get quite disappointed, um, especially once when I came back home having eaten goat. And uh, she said, don't you hear the little goats being tied and they can hear the other goats being slaughtered because that's how it was in Calcutta. So although I was born in South India, I was born in West Bengal in Calcutta, in Kolkata as it's called now. Uh, So I grew up speaking fluent Bengali. I also spoke my parents' um, language, Karnataka. So I spoke Kannada. Uh, I had to speak Hindi. So I was speaking a lot of languages and I had a lot of friends and they all ate meat and fish. Uh, So, but my mother was unhappy about um, that. And she tried to reason with me with regards to uh, the culture, the, the empathetic aspect of it rather than the cultural aspect of it. And I would shrug it off by saying, oh, but the goat was already dead uh, you see uh, but of course it was very rare I would say I probably in all my life I've never eaten red meat as such except once or twice I've eaten goat I've eaten chicken maybe a handful of times never really eaten fish uh, but uh, that was more because of the way I was born and then my mother being an ethical objector and um, I, when I met my husband in medical school, we were about 18 and I start, I ate chicken again once or twice a month when we went into the, um, because our medical college hostels were vegetarian. Uh, and so we would get some dairy, uh, but dairy was expensive. So even as a child growing up, my mother would cook everything. She was a teacher. She held down four jobs. Uh, and I used to always moan at her because all my friends would have cereal with milk and toast with butter. And I would have the good old idlis and dosas and rotis. And I would really get upset with her saying, um, you know, I really want to eat that kind of food, you know, the, the cornflakes with the um, milk. And she said, look at you, you're tall. You are a runner. You're an athlete. Um, 
I don't think, I think you're doing pretty good on the food I'm feeding you. It's just basically whole food plant-based. And there was a little bit of dairy, but it was, we were not well off. My, both my parents were academic. Uh, so we didn't have a lot of money, um, but there was a bit of dairy in my diet. Not a lot because we couldn't afford it. And there was not a lot of oil because we couldn't afford it. Uh, but we ate a lot of fruit and vegetables and beans and rice and lots of herbs and spices and very delicious food because my mother was a fabulous cook. Uh, my father did all the shopping, so it was really good. And um, when I went to medical school, I started eating chicken, I, I would say once or twice a month, probably. Uh, and you never recognize it as chicken because when you ordered your um, dal and your vegetables yeah. you also ordered a chicken curry it was in tiny pieces so you never really spent any time thinking about it uh, and then when I moved to the UK I had really never ever cooked uh, any sort of meat and I thought I would uh, surprise my husband by making some mince uh, and I bought some mince I didn't know what to do with it I thought you washed it like a vegetable and I when I washed it I saw the blood running away and I said wow that looks like my period blood that looks like the blood when I operate on my patients and overnight I said not doing this at all so I became vegetarian so I became completely vegetarian so having eaten uh, chicken a few times in my life, I completely became vegetarian. I also saw a program from Australia the same week, which was, I was pregnant at the time with my second daughter. And I saw a program where they were uh, basically shearing the sheep in Australia. And I saw the look of terror on that uh, sheep's face. And so I just decided to become vegetarian. I did not think too much about the dairy impact at that stage. And this was back in 1991. And um, having been vegetarian, as I said, most of my life, so it wasn't a big thing for me to go back to being completely vegetarian. By that time, my brother had become vegan in the US. Uh, I still didn't understand what it meant, uh, but I knew that he was not eating any animal products, including dairy. Uh, and my children uh, were eating some they didn't eat red meat and things, but they would eat fish fingers at home uh, sometimes. Mm. And when they went out in school, they would eat uh, whatever was given for lunch. And then when my younger daughter was about nine, maybe 10, uh, nine, I would say, I think or 10 years of age, she came home and said that she's going to not eat any more sausages or eggs or meat or anything or dairy. She was going to turn uh, vegan. And I said, oh, why can't you just be vegetarian? And she said, mommy, you don't understand. Red equals white. And I said, I don't understand. <laughs> so what she was trying to tell me is that the white milk that comes out of the uh, cow, uh, that cow then when she stops producing the milk becomes meat, which is red. Uh, and for me, that immediately explained what she was trying to say as a young child. And I didn't want her to eat white bread and chips uh, and you know be a vegan that way. So I immediately became vegan straight away. And um, my younger, my older daughter followed within six months. She found fish. She gave up everything else except fish because she was brought up on fish in India. So she struggled with giving that up. Uh, and six months later, so she would have been about 12. Uh, and so she gave that up. My husband had also given up red meat in 91 uh, and chicken, but he ate eggs and fish. Uh, and he continued to do that. Um, and so... That was a big revelation for me. I immediately understood what the animals were going through. Uh, and what, what I didn't understand, Nico, was that there were health benefits. And so I, I was about 
38 that time and my periods had stopped and I was going to become a consultant, which is the top level of uh, having finished all your training. And I thought it was stress and maybe my periods had stopped because normally um, women's periods stop around the age of 51. What I didn't realize was I was going through early menopause or premature ovarian failure as the medical term. And I was really suffering. I was having panic attacks, anxiety, stress, all kinds of things. Did not realize what was happening to me because most doctors don't really pay attention to their health. I was doing very busy work. I had two young children. I had We had a dog. It was really tough. Uh, my husband and I were working. We didn't have any family. Both of us worked acute specialities. My husband's a back surgeon. And we were both parallel with our um, with our careers, you see, I wanted to reach the top. He wanted me to reach the top. He wanted to reach the top. So we were really working very hard. Our daughters pretty much brought themselves up by themselves, <laughs> you know, and they've turned out fantastic. But um, it was very difficult times. And when I changed my diet, I was six months into really suffering already like this. And within two or three months, I started noticing a difference just from becoming vegetarian, from being vegetarian to becoming plant-based. Uh, my, uh, my repertoire increased of cooking. My palate changed. I started bringing in so many dishes. I was baking everything. I was cooking so many wonderful Indian dishes, Lebanese, Italian, all kinds. But I still didn't, and my symptoms improved hugely, but I did not understand, even at that stage, the scientist in me, the medical doctor in me did not understand that it was my diet that was the only difference that had been in the rest of my life was my diet. And I still did not put two and two together. I did not realize the health benefits. And so for another 10 years, I, everybody would meet me and say, oh, but you're looking so much younger and you look so young and things like that. And I still didn't put two and two together. And it took me about 10 years when I suddenly discovered this huge treasure trove of info, scientific information that tells us unequivocally that um, without any doubt that eating plants eating plant-based is one of the best things you can do for your health. So it took me 10 years after having gone vegan. Um, and in those days, being vegan was basically being whole food plant-based because there was no choice 20, 22 yeah. years ago. Uh, so so um, it took me another 10 years to realize that. And that really made me very upset and very angry because I see a lot of patients in my um daily life. I see about 4,000 patients in, in an entire year. And so you calculate how many years I had been seeing patients and I had let them down, I felt. I hadn't given them this information because I wasn't really, I was talking to them about eating plants and things and the fact that I was vegan. Uh, and a lot of my older patients do remember me explaining to them why it is better, but I didn't know the science. And it yeah. took me 10 years to discover the science. And and by that point, I was really, really cross because I realized that there's not a single women's health issue. There's not a single chronic lifestyle disease that does not benefit from eating more plants. And so uh, my hunger could not be stopped. I started, I went to my hospital. I told them I want to set up a nutrition module. I want to set up lifestyle. Uh, they were not interested. I was a very... Um, I was a training program director, which meant I was responsible for a lot of trainees and medical students. I have always taught medical students and specialist, uh, specialist trainees, which means those who are specializing to become obs and gynae. 
So I was the, the training program director for Northeast London, which is a big uh, responsibility. And so I had the credibility. And even when I went to my own Royal College said, I want to actually bring some of the information out, they were not interested. So then I set up my own uh, Women for Women's Health I don't particularly like that name anymore, um, you know, because I, it's not as inclusive as I want it to be. But it was a, it's a community project which is not for profit, and I use it so that I can empower people in the community, actually educate children, uh, energize children, make them have informed consent. Because you know what, Nico, there are two um, aspects. Doctors tend to be very skeptical of anything to do with nutrition and diet and lifestyle and sleep and stress. All the six pillars of lifestyle medicine, alcohol, caffeine, um, alcohol, smoking, you know, smoking, we knew smoking caused cancer at least 15, 20 years, 30 years before we actually stopped, um, you know, banning it from, we stopped banning it only 10, 15 years ago and we knew it caused cancer for a long time. So, Doctors have always been skeptical of any of this sort of information because we're not trained in it. And then you have people in the wellness space who actually rubbish everything to do with uh, the medical world. So, you know, the reason we are able to um, live these long lives is because of clean water, because of hand washing, because of vaccines. And so when people say, but you are a vegan, why are you promoting the vaccine, the COVID vaccine? Because when you take the COVID vaccine or when you take the contraceptive pill, for example, yes, those are medical innovations, but you harm less animals. If you fell ill with COVID, you would use more animal resources. Yes, the COVID vaccine is tested on animals. Of course, it's terrible and we should only encourage uh, more, um, you know, uh, lab testing rather than testing on animals, definitely. But every time you have an infection or a, a illness or surgery, you're using more animal resources, hurting more animals than you would if you actually protected yourself and those in the community from having vaccines. Same thing with having the contraceptive pill. What happens is that it is not very easy for people to do the natural method. For example, natural family planning methods are fine for people who are in a stable relationship. They don't mind if they get pregnant. It's not the end of the world. But for a lot of people, they don't have privilege. They can't afford to get pregnant. They cannot afford to have terminations. You know, they don't believe in them. So many reasons. So when you tell somebody that they are doing the wrong thing because they're taking the oral contraceptive pill or they're taking vaccines, it becomes very hard for the average person who's trying to do their best. And, you know, being vegan is an ethical philosophy. You're trying, the definition of um, veganism is that you're trying to do the least harm as far as possible. So for some people, for people like you and me, we can afford to buy, you know, uh, organic food maybe, we can afford to buy vegan food everywhere, but there are a lot of uh, deprived communities where the government has to do much more. They subsidized chicken, for example, to be much yeah, cheaper yeah, than yeah. vegetables. So, you know, learning to be kind and non-judgmental because I myself was a very angry vegan for many years. And I always felt I was never going to take any medications ever. And I should have, for example, taken hormone replacement therapy when I became menopausal, but because I became vegan, I chose not to take HRT because it may have been tested on animals. Mm. But actually looking back, I did myself a disservice because when 
I, if I had taken the medication, I would have been in a better place to um, be kinder to myself, to be kinder to my family, to be kinder to my patients, to be kinder to people, to encourage them to become more plant-based. Because you see, at the end of the day, yes, I want the whole world to go vegan, but I don't think that's realistic. So what I want people to do is to think about why they should eat more plants is for the most people are bothered about their health first. And so if I can have a room full of people who are 80, 90% uh, plant-based, I am happy compared to having only one or two people like me who are strictly vegan, who do doesn't wear silk, who doesn't wear leather, who doesn't use, you know, I, I'm very mindful. I don't shop. I don't I try to do all the things, but I'm not perfect. You know, I live in a nice house. I drive a car, <laughs> you know? So the end of the day, I think being judgmental helps nobody. And I often see vegans doing this in the <clears> vegan <throat> space as well, that, oh, these doctors are telling people to go plant-based rather than go vegan. But if I tell people to stop eating meat for the animals, they will tell me to go away. I can only encourage them because once you start eating plants, when you start eating more plants, you start feeling better. When you start feeling better, your inner moral compass starts, starts to align itself. You start then thinking, what am I putting in my body? Why am I doing this? Then you watch a movie. Then you say, oh, I'll go back to Dr. Bajikal's website and maybe make some of her recipes. I will see what movies she has recommended, what books she has recommended. You understand? So that's what what happens and it's hard for sometimes for um, very um, sensitive vegans who feel very passionately, they want the change to occur. And I, I, I empathize with that, but that doesn't, is not always, the end is not always justifiable then. You understand, it doesn't, people may not, they fall by the pathway. They, they try to do too much and then they fall. Instead of doing a gradual change, allows people to bring things in. I tell people, don't think about what you're crowding out. Think about what you're bringing in, the joy that you're bringing in. This is a joyous way. Do you want to look better? Do you want to uh, try and lose some weight? Do you want to make your heart disease better? Do you want to make your diabetes better? You see, because I saw my own husband, he took, you know, we were vegan for so many years. And while he understood it and he ate vegan food at home, he ate eggs and fish because he didn't want to stand out. He didn't want to make a fuss. And then about five years ago, he had become, he had tried every diet, he'd become diabetic, uh, and he watched a movie called Forks Over Knives. Uh, and then when I came home, he said, oh, I'm becoming plant-based. I said, what do you mean? You're joining me? What did I say? He said, no, you didn't say anything. I saw a movie, <laughs> you know? And now his only regret is he reversed his diabetes, first of all. And then on top of that, uh, within a couple of years, he lost a lot of weight as well. But more than that, the energy that he had, the cycling that he could do, yeah. and more than that, his only regret, first of all, he's become a fantastic cook. He's right now making a beautiful stir fry for us for dinner. But um, the thing that he regrets is that he wishes he had watched what we were doing and you know, joined us much, much earlier in his journey. That is his only regret. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's reached there. That's all I can say. It's, um, that one is, I've been meat-free for, what, 12 years now? It's, and I'm the only one, like, all of my friends are not vegan. There are, yeah. they eat meat. And I don't judge, it's no. it's your prerogative. I, I don't say that I don't care. I do care, but of course you care. I'm not going to judge somebody because I've made a lot of mistakes and there were times in my life I wasn't vegan. Yes. The, um, the only thing that bothers me though is 
you said it and it, it's not what you said that bothers me is the realization that most vegans are plant-based because of health because they do it for themselves i became vegan because i saw earthlings and i said oh hell no i cannot i cannot do that i, I don't so, think most vegans are vegan for health vegan, if it seems vegan, like it it seems like no, it they by, start like that nico so but that's many, what i mean yeah, yeah let me rephrase that that's what i mean most i agree to me it's a spiritual journey yes. becoming vegan was part of for me same yeah it's a step in my spiritual journey i would have Absolutely. became vegan no matter what however you want to call it exactly you can show me the best best dress take or you can tell yeah. me my life uh, depends on it and i yeah. should have um you know this fish to get rid of my disease no luckily none of it is there none of it is true but i would <laughs> not be able to do it um how do you see this is the question i'm always struggling with if it is indeed true that most people become vegan at least maybe not stay vegan but become vegan because of health issues how do you reach out to those people because to me that shows that there's a lack of compassion in the way we are as human beings the way we're brought up for whatever reason we lack compassion towards I, anything else than ourselves so it's hard for people to tell me nowadays that you don't know that you're causing harm to animals it's they do know But it's yeah, called you, cognitive dissonance. Nicole. Absolutely. Yeah? This is exactly so, where I was going. Yeah. But what happens, you have to understand that if from the time you're born and say you're not breastfed or chest fed uh, as a baby, say you yeah. go straight on to an animal formula, milk and things like that. So from the time you're born till the time you start understanding about climate change or animal cruelty, it has become a part of your life a part of your culture most people don't like to stand out most people know it's wrong just like most of us know that there is child uh, childhood poverty childhood mm -hmm. child hunger we know that right but we still have dogs like the amount of money i spend on my spend on my two dogs they're rescue dogs but i do uh, spend money on them i should be perhaps spending all that money on the thousands of stray dogs that are there in india so the way i look at it is that there is something called the tribe and so you want to look after yourself and your tribe and your family and your friends and a lot of people for a lot of people they don't want to step out of that and be judged so although they know inherently it's wrong it takes courage and so when health comes into play then it's a very good stepping stone for them because once they are conscious that oh this will help my health then people are willing to listen they'll say oh you're eating plants for your health that's okay the moment you say i'm doing it for animals yeah. they want to put you down they want to make you uh, convince you saying oh but you must be killing all those earthworms in the field you know <laughs> so they will say but you go on a, on on aeroplanes dr bajical or you have you have a nice house so uh, you know why are you lecturing on a cruise uh, which is a uh, where you're talking to people about going plant based that is wrong the perfect becomes the enemy of good and that's where i want people to understand that you need to work out for yourself first of all self care is important self love is important if you feel that you can't go 100% plant based you can't call yourself vegan you can't be part time vegan you are vegan because your it is veganism is a word for 
animals. You do not want to hurt animals. So you go plant-based first for health. That is different. You can't, I know people loosely use it, but there's a big difference between being vegan and plant-based. And yes, it's a purist thing and you shouldn't get upset about it. But when people say, oh, veganism is trendy. No, there's being plant-based may be trendy. Being plant-based may be something that we're doing for the climate. But being vegan is to do with exploitation of animals. And so what you're trying to do is do the least possible harm. Uh, wherever possible to animals. That is what it is. So you start off by being plant-based for health and all the most passionate vegans, the most um, uh, vegans who are really doing it for change, changing lots of people have actually started off with health. And that's absolutely fine. We should not be bothered about how people get into it. Mm. Ultimately, you see, I have never watched a single movie about animal uh, cruelty. I've never seen movies like um, Cowspiracy or, you know, uh, or- um, Seaspiracy. Uh, no, not uh, Earthlings and things Earthlings, like that. Yeah. I've mm -hmm. never I've never watched any videos. I tend not to follow people who are, um, who post those things simply yeah. because I don't need any convincing. It doesn't matter what yeah. happens. I am never going to change. I can't change, but right. I do recommend depending on my patients, the sort of things that will help them start their journey. For some people, I will recommend the game changers. Some people I will recommend uh, Fiona Oaks. I don't know if you've seen her uh, no. movie Running for Good. I would highly recommend it. She's a vegan since the age of six. She has run a marathon for on every continent. She's the most wonderful human being that I think has walked as an animal sanctuary in London. She's truly, truly exceptional, but because she is very simple and um, she has not received a lot of airtime, but you must watch her documentary called Running for Good. So it depends on you, on who you're telling, what you're telling them, and you can give them resources. So that's what I have done. So maybe you can share my website on your show notes so that people can see that I not only have lots of fact sheets on health issues, but also on what is lifestyle medicine, but recipes and resources which allow people to try and become more plant-based. For me, I cannot tell people, except when I'm talking to them face-to-face, -face, that, you know, I'm vegan, this is what I do. So they often ask me, but Dr. Bajikal, are you asking me to become vegan? No, I'm not asking you to become vegan. I'm asking you to think about what you put in your mouth yeah, because yeah. every time you put something in your mouth, <clears throat> it's not like child hunger. You know, you can give some money to charity, but you can't, you can actually make a difference to child hunger or to the climate or to the animals that are suffering or to the soya that is being uh, destroyed in the rainforest, uh, the rainforest destruction to grow soya to feed the animals, not the soya that we eat, which is healthy for us, you see? So I try and bust a lot of myths, a lot of misinformation that is there so that people can say, okay, she is coming to me to help me with my medical condition. And I now feel so good that I want to now read a book. I now want to read, uh, see a movie. I And that's when enlightenment occurs. When you try to be very um, judgmental, not judgmental, um, 
when you try to sort of talk down to somebody yeah. uh, because i was there you know i used to look at my husband and my best friends and look at them and think i love you so much how are you sitting there and eating a lobster yeah. or how are you sitting there and eating a piece of chicken or whatever they were eating and that did not make me a good person i was resentful all the time you know i was so resentful that i didn't bring change but what's happened over the last 10 15 years people have seen what i'm doing and they have themselves made the change so that is so much more powerful than when you are trying to um sort of tell somebody off and make them yeah. feel bad about their choices i think there is a i don't think that works nico i just don't think that works and i When's think the last time you learned something by somebody screaming at you, you. Yes. There's, you're you're not going to learn anything. I no. know if you and, start screaming at me, I stop listening. Yes. I'm just okay, I'm done. Yeah. Leading and, and, by example is the only way I found Totally. to make and a social difference. Social media is very good in two ways, oh, yeah. but it's also very bad yeah. in many ways. It's oh, very yes. good because, you know, I have found a huge community that I immediately I don't have to explain myself. Yeah. I don't have to, you know, yeah. I am just there. I can be myself because with a lot of my friends, I can't talk about a lot of inner feelings. Yeah. I can't talk about being vegan. I can't talk about so many things that upsets people so i don't talk about it but i have discovered this beautiful community both uh, surrounding myself in london but all over you know even yeah. people like you it's just a start of a nice relationship absolutely and and that's so important but social media also has this other side to it where people are very quick to judge and to yeah. really write some very and i would ask people to stop and think before you write damaging i've been very fortunate i've got Well, luckily my followers are on Instagram and things are very have been very kind to me um you know uh, but i see comments in other people's pages and things and it's yeah. it's yeah. it's not needed it you do not make anybody a better person by doing this it's to me it just shows the mental it just shows the mental aspect of it when somebody is comfortable writing bad things about somebody else without knowing that person they're judging them that tells me your state of mind that yeah. you actually are because there's no way i'd be comfortable i'm not comfortable doing that to anybody no no you can do But, it to me all you want i'm used to it i've i've yes. gone so much so much bad wording for my beliefs over the years that it doesn't yeah. affect me anymore but it's i find it very unfortunate that we yeah. do that to each other yeah the way i look at it is i feel that maybe they're going through a bad time yeah, maybe so. they are having you know some unresolved issues uh, and also as i i told you you know when you first become vegan you feel so passionately you yeah. want the whole world to change you get angry when people say anything that veers away you don't understand um the fact that you want it's so important to be intersectional to bring in uh, you know all communities not to make anybody feel bad uh, you know to understand that actually when you are caring for say for example black lives matter not every person who's black has to be vegan you have to understand that they may be coming from socio economically deprived areas they don't have a choice the government has a lot to answer for you know we don't have the education not everybody has the privilege of listening to podcasts or they're working shifts they're you know they they're having three or four children they don't know what to do they're not educated they may have learning difficulties there is so much 
and so much of kindness is needed first. And you know, humans are animals too, aren't we? <laughs> so why should we not be kind to ourselves? Because I was not kind to myself for a long time, Nico, you know, I was pushing myself. I still work very hard. I love my job, but my job should not be the only thing that defines me. My children should not be the only thing that define me. I should be my own person. And so it took me a long time to realize that with the help of my daughters and my husband, actually, to be kind to myself. Um, and But I'm pleased where I am now. But I, I see what uh, people go through. You know, I understand that it can be a difficult journey. And during that time, you do lash out. You do... Um, want to hurt others sometimes um, and some it's easy sometimes to do it on Facebook or Instagram uh, because you're scared to say it to other people's faces so you lash out other ways so maybe they're going through something different that's how I look at it and I feel maybe if I can educate in a more gentle way then you know that might create a little you know yesterday we had gone for example on a little trip with my book club friends and they were rinsing out the dishes in the boat. Um, and they said, oh, we'll take it home and put it in the dishwasher. And I said, actually, when you rinse it out and leave the tap running, you waste a lot of water. You just need to take off the big bits. If you're going to use a dishwasher, then put it in the dishwasher without washing it fully and then yeah. putting it in the dishwasher. And they said, oh, but we don't care. I said, but you guys have got grandchildren. Maybe, you, you know, you have to think, do you want to leave them without water and food later? And maybe you can actually start turning the tap off. And maybe if you really want to wash it, put a little bowl of water and rinse it all in that and then put it into uh, the dishwasher. And they said, oh, we never thought of that. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll start thinking, <laughs> you know. So I think that's the biggest thing. I, I don't believe that people are bad on purpose. No. They just don't think further than their own nose. We have that saying in French that, you don't think past your nose. Yeah. And I got a feeling that is, I, at least I'm a, I'm a, how do you say that? I'm an optimist. So I tend to believe that people are good. They just don't know any better. Yes. That's what I'm I an like optimist most days, but some days I'm a pessimist. <laughs> some days I, I wake up and think, okay, I don't know how this is all going to end. Uh, how am I going to stop the suffering of 70 billion animals and 30 trillion sea animals? How am I going to do that? And then I think, actually, you know what? For every one person that eats a plant-based meal because of me, I am doing that. And so that's what I'm going to do till the day I die. I hope I will be on this planet for another 50 years. <laughs> you know, I have no intention of stopping, um, whether it is with my... Uh, work with empowering people, women and children and men in the community, uh, but also just hopefully um, educating people to be just kind to themselves. And as a result, they then tend to be kind to people and animals yeah. around them and to the planet that we are on. I think that's what we're missing is just more being more compassionate. Yes. Um, we've been going for 50 for 46 minutes. So I got one question before I let you go that I asked every people, every single person I've spoken to. If you, uh, if you had a chance to speak to your 14-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? What would you tell her? Oh, I would say, wow, I did not imagine that you would achieve all this in your life. Um, that 
you have lived up to your name. Uh, my real name, my full name actually means an offering to God. I'm not religious. Uh, <laughs> I'm not religious, but um, I was named after a, a, a disciple of a philosopher called Swami Vivekananda, Sister Nivedita. She was an Irish uh, lady who came to Calcutta and, um, you know, dedicated her whole life serving the poor and, and humans. And I feel that if I can, I, I, that's what I would think. I have achieved, I feel, um, all the things that I want to. I haven't finished yet. Uh, so, uh, but yes, I would be very, very, very pleased. I would not have imagined I would have all this physical and mental wealth in many ways, like, you know, health uh, and things. I'm going to be 60 soon. I just feel very, very grateful. I feel very grateful to my parents. I feel very grateful to my grandparents who educated my parents. I feel very grateful to my parents who made me this, you know, confident human being that never took no, even though I was an immigrant doctor here, uh, I was a woman. I achieved every single career goal I wanted, every single thing that I have wanted to do. And as I said, I'm not done. I've got two brilliant children who made me vegan. Uh, my entire family is vegan, you know, so I, I just love that. I feel very, very grateful. That's what I would tell my 14 years of you have achieved what you wanted. That's a beautiful way to end it. Thank you very much for taking the time and I wish you another 50 years on this planet. <laughs> yes, I hope so too. Don't know what's written in the cards, but that's what I'm aiming for, a blue zone life. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Nico.